stuff. It's so awesome to be here today. We had a great first service. I mean, they were fired up in that first service, and I have a feeling it's going to be even greater in this second service. So good to be here. Um, I want to encourage you to do something real quick. I want to ask you to do something, okay? Here's what you're going to do. I want you to take a minute, and I want you to, <laughs> I want you to look at the person next to you. Go ahead and look at him. Look at him right in the face. Look at it. Why are some of y'all laughing? <laughs> Well, if you had to look at what I had to look at, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I want you to look at the person next to you, look at them right in the face, and then I want you to repeat after me. Look at them, and I want you to repeat after me. I'm so glad you got to see me today. <laughs> it never failed. They did it in the first service. They did it here, too. There's always some wife looking at her husband going, and you know that's right. You're blessed to see me today. Yes, we are. We're blessed. We are so blessed. We're blessed to see all of you. I, uh, you know, wasn't too long ago, I was at an event. As I'm at this event, I'm walking through, right? And there was this guy that walked past me. And I said, hey, I said, hey, bro, good to see you. I said, good to see you. He looked at me. He goes, it's good to be seen. <laughs> and I, I, at first I thought, man, little arrogant booger. You know, what are you talking about? Good to be seen. And then it dawned on me. Oh, I get it. Like it's. It's better than the alternative, right? Like it's better to be seen than not to be seen. But if we go a little deeper, I think what he was saying, it's, it's better to have a breath than not to have a breath. It's better to have a heartbeat than not to have a heartbeat. In other words, I think he was really saying it's better to be alive than to be dead. How many of you would agree with that? Say amen. amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, we like, we like life. We like life. We don't like death. We don't like death. As a matter of fact, death is America's number one fear. And what's interesting is people try to say that it's public speaking. But have you noticed that it's only the public speakers that say that? You know what I'm saying? It's like trying to make their job bigger or better or something. I mean, it is kind of intimidating, but nothing trumps death. Death is America's number one fear for everybody except comedian Chris Rock. Of course, right? Who says, and I'll quote, he said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Well, I feel that. Do you feel that? I mean, I feel that. That resonates with me. I mean, I would like to not be there when it happens, but the reality is, is it's going to happen. And it's, it's just a scary thing. I mean, we don't like death. We would like for that to be the case, right? Yeah, I just don't want to be there when it happens. But it's very, very scary. Um, as a matter of fact, we so don't like death, right? We don't even like to have a brush with death. We don't even want to have a brush with it. Like, we, you know, we don't, want to, we don't like it. We just don't like it. Have you ever had a brush with death? I, I had a genuine brush with death. Kind of humorous moment, but really it was horrifying. But, but let, let me tell you a little bit about it. I was in the middle of this tour with Casting Crowns. Uh, 87 cities called the Life Song Tour. And uh, I pastored that band and uh, how do you really pastor casting crowns, though, right? I mean, man, they, 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 Mark Hall is one of my best friends. He is a man of God. I mean, so anytime I'm around him, he inspires me, you know, but I did my best to act like I was pastoring him. I mean, they're just great people of God. They love Jesus. And, and every night in major arenas all over America, I, I would preach the gospel. I would, I would just share what we sang about a while ago, that, you know, faultless to stand before the throne of God. God, you know, invites us into a relationship with him. I'd share the gospel. And I had a great time, right? We're in the middle of that tour, maybe 40-something cities, right? 
And I was at home, just had a couple of days to take a break. Out of nowhere, my wife was out getting groceries, right? Out of nowhere, my heart went berserk. I mean, it just went berserk, like berserk, went absolutely nuts. I'm like, what the world's going on? And then I, 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 I got on the ground. I elevated my feet. You know, I saw that in a movie somewhere. I don't know what I was doing. I was just on the ground, elevated my feet, got my finger on my juggler. It's like about five minutes or so, the elevation didn't work, nothing. It's still going fast and getting faster. My wife comes in through the door. She's got her hands full of groceries. She sees me. I'm on the ground, feet lifted up. I'm like, might want to call 911. You know, and she's like dropping groceries. She's like nine one one, and they came. The paramedics came, fire truck. You know all the deal. They came running into my house with all these gizmos and gadgets, big boxes and cords and these things they stick on you, and you know, and all this. And it's just beeping. Boop, 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 boop. And uh, and then the paramedic looks at me. He's like watching. He's like. Boop, 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 boop. He looked at me. He said, "Mr. Nolan, you are in grave danger." I said, "Bro, why you gotta say grave?" <laughs> Like, why you, why you got to say grave, man? What? what? Uh, they teach you that at school? Come on, man. And he goes, no, no, no. Listen, your heart is racing 250 beats a minute. It's imperative that we get you to the hospital. You could die. And I'm like, what? I could die. I'm dying. I mean, like, what? This guy's serious. I'm like, that's just out of the blue. Like, what? I'm brushed with death. Ah! And my wife was there. And she, my wife is fine. She's so fine. I love my wife. She's big old brown, beautiful eyes. And she's, she's looking at me. I'm, I'm dying. Like, they got, they got me on a gurney. I'm going out of the house. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm dying. I looked at my wife. I said, baby, you can remarry. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like releasing my girl, you know, so it's okay, you know. And, and she looked at me with those big old beautiful brown eyes. She said, I'll never make that mistake again. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. She, <laughs> she don't like for me to joke around about it. She's like, shut up. I don't like you saying that. I said, uh, she was like, I kid, I kid. She didn't say that. She actually told me, shut my mouth and get in the ambulance. So I did what any good husband should do. I shut my mouth. I got in the ambulance. So I did what my wife told me. I got in the back of that ambulance. I'm in the back of this ambulance, right? My ambulance driver missed a very good opportunity to be a stinking NASCAR driver, people. I'm talking about this guy was out of his mind. He had one gear, and it was mash the gas and fly. I mean, just stinking, smoking, flying. And we are flying. We're, I mean, we're, we're catching air over speed bumps. We're taking hairpin turns at about 150, man. Everything in the back is bouncing. I'm bouncing. The paramedics are bouncing. Medicine's bouncing off the shelves. We're just bouncing all around. And it was in that moment, right, when we're catching air over the speed bump, taking the hairpin turn at about 150, right, that the paramedic thought would be the most appropriate time to administer the IV in my vein. I'm like, what in the world? She's got my arms. She's like, uh, uh. I'm thinking, I'm going to die of puncture wounds, lady. You're killing me. You know, she said, poke, poke, poke. Finally, she got it, right? Finally, she got it. She got it in my arm, and she taped it all up. And listen, she was like a true old school Southern Belle girl, like that old little Southern, you know, little uh, accent, you know, old school thing. And so she, she looked at me, she said, she, she said now, now, sugar, your little ticker beating way too fast. I'm like, I, I know, I'm in grave danger. And she, she said, she said, but I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to help you with that. And, and she said, and she had in her hand a tube about that big and about that big around. And it was filled with a clear liquid. 
And she said, this, she said, I'm going to put this in your IV. And when I put this in your IV, it's going to change your heart rate. It's going to bring that down. I'm like, thank you so much. She goes, but I've got to warn you. She said, most paramedics don't warn the patient. She said, but I'll warn the patient. I'm like, thank you so much. I'm, I, this patient wants to be warned. And she said, I promise you, she, she, she said, when I put this in your IV, it's going to feel like a horse kicked you in your chest. <laughs> like I'm in grave danger. That's all you got? That's all you got? Got a horse kick me in my chest? I'm like, well, you please tell me you got something technologically more advanced than that. What in the world? I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, listen, you may be in here and you might be in the medical profession. You may be somebody in here that's aspiring to be in the medical profession. I will go ahead and make my confession. You're far more intelligent than I'll ever be in my lifetime. I just got one question for you. What creator of Frankenstein put that medicine together, brother? Amen. What did that look like? Where did they get that stinking idea? What? Think about it. What, what did that look like? What did they have like a, a doctor over here, a chemist over here, and a horse farmer from Alabama right there? <laughs> They're just trying to work it out, right? The doctor's like, uh, we've got a patient. His heart's racing 250 beats a minute. What, uh, what, what, you know, what, 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 what are we going to do? What, what are we going to do? He's in grave danger. What, what are we going to do? The horse farmer's like, I got an idea. If we could get a horse to kick him in the chest, he'd be all right. <laughs> what? What? I'm like, I just like, please tell me you got something different. Nope, too late. That lady did it, bro. She did it. She said, she put that in my IV, and I'm talking about pain, people. I'm talking about crazy pain. I had pain in places I couldn't even locate. I'm talking about crazy pain. I mean, I'm, I'm in pain. I can't breathe. I'm like, I, 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 I mean, I'm in pain. I, we're talking about there's, there's childbirth. There's kidney stones, and then there's horsey kicking the chassis medicine. I mean, I'm losing my mind. I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm di- I think I'm dying from the medicine. I'm trying to get her. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm thinking, if I'm going, she's going with me. You know, I'm like, come here. You know, she's up against the back of the ambulance trying to see out of the way. I'm like, ah, 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 ah. I'm hurting so bad. I, I can't even define it. It hurts so bad. And then finally, I'm exhausted. I'm like, ah. and she's, up, she's upside down over, over me. She's upside down. And she looks at me. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. and she looks at me. She goes, did you feel that? <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. I mean, I, it was a crazy moment in my life, man. It was a real, true brush with death. I, I can laugh at it now, right? But when I was going through it, uh-uh. it, was, it was horrifying. They, they said that I, uh, I inherited uh, a heart problem from, from a dad I, I, I never met. My, my mother, my biological mother was a mentally insane homeless prostitute. And uh, so they said I, they, I inherited a, a heart problem from a, from a dad I've never met. So I hold on to a verse of scripture, Psalm 73, 26. It says, although my heart and my flesh fail me, you're the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And, and I hold on to that verse now. It, it, gives, it gives me strength. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if you got a verse or not, man. When you're going through a brush with death, man, it's scary. It's just a scary, scary thing. It was horrifying. I, I didn't like it at all. Well, listen, what makes death so scary? What is it about death that makes it so frightening? Listen. I think that we have a verse of scripture from the Bible that gives us an incredible insight as to why death is so troubling. It's Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. 
If not, just, hey, just lean in and listen. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. Nestled in the midst of some amazing Christological rich verses about Jesus. Jesus was the, 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 the offering, the sacrifice for our sins. John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, hey, behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. But he wasn't just the sacrifice. He was also uh, the priest who was going to offer the sacrifice. The Hebrews tells us that he was the priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And all of this rich Christological truth going on. And the writer of Hebrews decides right in the midst of all this to give us this incredible insight about death. Listen to it carefully. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. This is what the infallible and errant, inspired, authoritative word of God says. It says this. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of like to be honest about things. When I read that the first time, I was like, that sounds like a Chinese fortune cookie thing. Like, what? This, the wording of that, like, appointed the man once to die after this. What? what? So, th- let me give you something uh, from, a, from a version called the Good News Translation. And, and it kind of lays it out there conversationally. I, I, I think when I read it, it'll make you... Help understand it a little bit better. Listen to what it says. Everyone must die once. And after that, be judged by God. That's kind of clear, isn't it? Super clear. See, two things. First of all, the thing that makes death so frightening is two things. First of all, the certainty of death. And then with it, the certainty of judgment. The certainty of death. It says it's appointed on the man wants to die. Hey, it's coming. It's coming for all of us. I mean, death is no respecter of age, race, creed, nothing. It, it comes for all of us. I mean, it's just, it just, it's certain it is definitely coming. Matter of fact, listen, I bet what's true about my family is true about your family too. Death runs in my family. It comes for all of us, people. There's no way to hide around it. You can work out, you can eat right, Everything you possibly can. We scrap and we scratch to, to, to be fit, to, to live life. But the bottom line is, it is appointed on the man once to die. It's coming for all of us. And listen, what's startling is with it, see, death is sure, man. And we know that. We know that. But we keep it on the down low. We don't like to think about it all the time because then we get like really, really dark, right? We're like, you're depressed, you're emo freak, you know, something kind of, we don't like to think about it. But we know that because, hey, matter of fact, what do we say? Things that are certain, two things that we know that are definitely certain, death and, yeah, see, we know that this, you know, we know this death thing is certain. It's coming for all of us. And with it, right there with death is judgment. It's appointed on the man once to die. After that, the judgment. Judgment. What is that all about? Listen, there's coming a day, just like you're sitting there right now, you're listening to me speak, there's coming a day where you will stand before God and you will give an account of your life before God. You can argue with me till you're blue in the face about it. doesn't really matter. You can argue to me till you pass out. doesn't matter. The Bible is true. The Bible is authoritative. This, this Bible is filled with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that have come true. None of them, no prophecy has ever failed. This Bible is true. And so with it, it tells us that coming in the future is a judgment day for all of us. 
You'll stand before God and you'll give an account of your life before God. Listen, it's not, it's not like this is hidden in the Bible. Just a couple of verses. Let me just read them to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. It says, God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Those things that you thought you'd done in secret, bro. Hey, sir, you thought you did that in secret, ma'am. You thought it was a secret? No, never was. There's a God and he sees all of it. And one day he's going to bring it. Jesus said in the gospel of Luke, one day those things done in secret will be shouted from the housetops. Doesn't end there. Romans chapter 14, verse 12. It says that even believers will stand before God and your life is going to be judged by God. Your works will be judged by God, tried by fire. And the Bible makes it really, really clear. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God, Romans 14, 12. And then Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, talks about the great white throne judgment where the books will be opened. You'll stand before God, and your life is judged by God. And then it says this, if your name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life, in other words, if you're not prepared when, properly and adequately when you stand before God on judgment day, you are tossed into a burning lake of fire. And then it says it again in Revelation chapter 21, I believe verse 8 and 9. It talks about being tossed into a burning lake of fire, hell forever. And then it uses this little idiom with it. It says, which is called the second death. Now that's significant, people, which is called the second death. Why? What, 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 what is going on here? Well, let, let, me tell you, let me tell you what's going on. There's a judgment because of the reality of something that's wrong with all of us. And the thing that's wrong with us is we're sinners against God. And what does that mean? Well, the Bible in Romans 3.23 says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What is that sin thing all about? Well, the Bible, right? The Bible, the Word of God, it's the law of God. It's the mind and the heart of God. This thing is filled with prohibitions. The things that God said, hey, listen, this, don't you ever do it. You know what we do? We do it anyways. And there's things in here that God says, listen, they're called commandments. You must do it. We treat it like it's a suggestion. Hey, no, no, I'm not calling you out. Are you listening to me? It says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Who here can stand and say you've never broken a commandment of God? Nobody. We're all sinners against God. And you know, I don't have people that argue with me about that, pastors. I crisscross the country and preach in all these arenas and churches. Nobody argues with me about that. They agree. They go, yeah, I've lied. I've watched porn or I've, I've stolen or I've blah, blah, blah. I embezzled. You know, like, but here's what we get. Kind of, it gets a little dicey. People will go, so what? Big deal. I ain't hurting nobody. Couldn't be any further from the truth. You're killing yourself. Because Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. The punishment for the thing that you've done wrong is death. And what is that death? Well, certainly we understand that when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of the tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil, that they died spiritually. And then we ultimately know that they died physically. So death entered into the world. But this wages of sin is death thing. It, it, it has a way broader scope. It's referring to that second death factor. It reaches out and covers that second death factor. The wages of sin is death. In other words, the ultimate punishment for the things that we've done wrong against God. On judgment day, if we are standing before God in our sin then we are tossed into a burning lake of fire. And you know what that is? It says it's called the second death. Hell is referred to as the second death. Do you know what that means? Hell is a state of dying that never ends. The thing that we fear the most, that's what hell is. It's a state of dying that never ends. And, and you know, if you ask people uh, about dying, people kind of know that it's coming. They don't 
You know, it's not like dying is a big surprise. Like, hey, sir, do you know you're going to die one day? What? Never heard of such a thing. No, mommy, we know. We know. But what makes it so scary to people a lot of times is they, they fear the way that they're going to die. That's where it gets all trippy. But how they're going to die. People get kind of whacked out about that. And then if, if you give them a choice between like a quick, instant, get it over with death or a slow, agonizing, over a long period of time, drawn out death, people pick instant, get it over with death. As a matter of fact, by a show of hands, how many of you here would pick instant, get it over with death? Raise your hands if you pick instant, get it over with Okay, yeah, yeah, just about 99% of the people in the room. You can put your hands down. And, and by the way, if you're visiting today, don't get nervous. That's not going to be the way we end the service. Like, you know, hey, let's just, let's just all go out back and get it over with. You know, come on. No, not, that's not the point, man. That's not the point. No. But the point is, we don't want long and drawn out. Man, give us quick and instant. Get up. Listen, listen. Hell is a state of dying that never ends. It's eternal death. You're stuck in a state of dying that never ends. You know what? Well, you'll be dying, but you'll never be able to taste the final relief of a final breath. It's forever. You'll be burning to death. Tossed into a burning lake of fire. Now, right there, it gets massively hard for people right there. I get it. I'm a human being, too. and I, I, Me, too. We're repulsed by that. We push back on that, and I get that. I'm a human being, too. I can't even imagine somebody stuck in a state of dying that never ends, and they're burning to death, and that's their punishment. So people write me, and they'll, hey, man, that's severe. That is just harsh. God's harsh. That's so severe. But, and, but, but, and then... The, if we're not careful, you'll sit there and you'll start judging God and you'll hold God in contempt of court. Listen to me. I want you to listen. The punish, it is severe, but the punishment is so severe because the offense is so severe. But see, we still don't get that, right? We still, we don't, we don't, I, mean, I, know, I know you're listening and I know you're intelligent, but still, we just don't get that. But l- let me explain it to you. I'll, I'll use Lance again. He was in the early service. And so l- listen, we got a big man down here on the front. His name's Lance, big man right there. Let's just suppose I'm up here preaching, right? I want you to get this. Out of nowhere, don't you do this, Lance. You did good the first, don't you do it. But because I know it would hurt. But let's just suppose I'm up here speaking, right? And just preaching away, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Lance decides to get up, come up on the stage. I'm over here just going at it, blah, blah, blah. I look over this way, there's Lance. He's like, pow! And he just lights me up, man. Just pow! Clocks me down. I'm like, pow! I hit the ground. Yeah, you know, not, not going to be, I mean, it's not going to be that, that big of a major. I mean, to be like a social media frenzy. People get their phones up. Look at that, man. Look at that. Man, just hit a preacher right here. I mean, you'd be like putting it on Twitter, Instagram. Look at that preacher. Just got punched in the face. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, but it's not, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But, you know, if he does it, I, you know, there'd be some security that would get him. You know, you'd probably need a bunch of you football players because he's a pretty big guy, man. I'm just telling you. Or, 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 you know, we, you know, if he does it, I do know some people. I'm not famous or anything, but I, I know some people. He would probably have to spend one night in jail. That's, that's all, maybe just, you know, battery, assault and battery, one night in jail. Not, not that big of a deal, right? Punches the preacher in the face, one night in jail. Now, suppose at another occasion, Lance decides to walk up on the stage and punch the president of the United States in the face when he's doing a speech. We might not see Lance for a long time. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Punch me in the face. Hey, one night in jail at the most. Punch the president of the United States of America in the face. We might not ever see you again, bro. 
Do you understand it? Do you get it? Listen to me. We've sinned against God. God. Forget about the president. I mean, man, what a major position. What a huge position. But we're talking about president. God. God. The supreme one. The majestic one. The holy one. The transcendent one. We've sinned against God. We punched him in the face with our lust. We punched him in the face with our, with our pride and our lies and our arrogance. We punched him in the face with our gossip. We've sinned against God. So listen to me. The punishment is so severe because the offense is so severe. We've sinned against God. And it's hell forever. Burning like a fire hell forever. For the wages of sin is death. Wait, wait. That verse is not done. It says the wages of sin is death. But watch this. But... But the gift of God, (laughs) it's amazing to me. The gift of God is, listen, not eternal death, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do do, do you understand that, that God stepped out of heaven, came to earth? Jesus is a real person. Our calendars are marked by the man's existence. I mean, he lived a sinless life. He went to a cross. He was butchered. He poured out his blood. He died. He was buried, but he rose again. And do you understand that in our day and age since 1996, we have had some incredible astronomical advancements in our technological things in this digital millennium generation. I mean, it's just a computer stuff has been out of control. And do you know that nobody, nobody has been able to dispute the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, even with all of our advancements? He rose from the dead. You go to the court of law, it takes three people, three witnesses to declare something as so or not. Man, Jesus was seen by over 500 people at one time. He's Lord. He rose from the dead. And if he rose from the dead, he's Lord. You better make sure you get rightly connected with him, bro. Sir, you better make sure because he is real. He came and he died. And why, what was that all about? Why did he come and die? Why go to the cross? Let me, let me tell you what it is. Let's just suppose, okay, I am not, advo- this is for YouTube. I am not advocating this whatsoever. Illustration, that's all. Suppose, let's go back to the president. Let's just suppose somebody does something against, I mean, in America, there's nobody bigger than the president. Somebody does something against the president that deserves the death penalty. Whether you believe it or not, the death penalty or not, that doesn't make a difference. Here it is. It's just so. They've done something against the president. Death penalty. All right? The court is set. CNN's there, Fox there, World, Al Jazeera, they're there. Everybody's there with their cameras. The president's there, key witness. The guy's gone through the trial. It is so. It's been declared. He definitely did this against the president, deserving of the death penalty. The judge throws his anvil down. Death penalty. How amazing would it be? I don't expect this to happen with our president, nor do I expect it to happen with any other president in the history of America. How amazing would it be if the president stood up in that moment, looked at that man that did something against him that deserved the death penalty, and said, hey, hey, you stay right there. You stay right there. I know you did it, but you get to be free, and I'm going to die for you. I'm going to take your death penalty for you. How amazing would that be? Oh, I don't expect him to do it. No other president to do it. Listen, I don't, ex- don't even look at me funny. You wouldn't do it either. Amen. And neither would I. You know, and that's not surprising because Romans chapter 5, verse 7, the apostle Paul said, scarcely even for a righteous person would somebody dare to die. What do you see in the videos when somebody starts popping a cap up in the mall? Oh, you just see people running for like crazy. Like, man, they don't want to die. They're getting out of there, man. We're running. Scarcely even for a good person would somebody dare to die. 
But for the person that did it, deserving of the death penalty, and the person that was offended, you take it for them? Amazing. That's the gospel. That's God come to earth. For the wages of sin is death. You got a death sentence on you, bro. Ma'am, you got a death sentence. You got a death penalty. But Christ came, and you know what he did? He looked at God the Father, the judge, and he said, hey, I'll take it for him. I'll take it for him. And he did. And now he extends this incredible, audacious invitation to come to him, freely surrender to him, give him your life. You either can die in your sins and stand before God and answer for your sins, everything you've ever done wrong, or, or let Christ pay that for you. Oh, I know it sounds audacious, and, and I know it sounds too good to be true, but, but are you listening to me? No, it's so good that it is true. It's the gospel. God took your place. What does he require? Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Did you hear me? How does this transaction happen? You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. I didn't say the icon Jesus, not the movie star Jesus, not the t-shirt Jesus, not the jewelry Jesus, not the homeboy Jesus. No, 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 not, not the Lord Jesus. You must be willing to surrender to him as the leader, the ruler, the boss, the Lord of your life. Because if he's not Lord, then he's not Savior. The Apostle Paul says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart. What does that mean? Christianity is not primarily a figure it out thing. It's a faith it in thing. You faith it. Believe in your heart that what God raised him from the dead. Listen to these words. You will be saved. You will be saved. Has that moment ever happened to you in your life? Have you really had that moment? Don't you want it? Because your day's coming. How can I know, preacher? The Bible gives us an acid test, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. You know what that means? You can know whether or not you've really authentically had this connection and rest knowing that you're prepared for eternity. How? If there's been a change in your life. If any person, anybody claims to be connected with God, any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. There's a metamorphosis that happens. What happens? All things pass away, and behold, all things become new. There's a change that happens in your life. Listen to me. If there's not a change, if there's been no change in your life, then there's no Christ in your life. If there's been no change related to your conversion, then there's something strange about your conversion. Because the Bible says when you connect, he changes you. Now, a lot of people are like, well, I, I did this prayer thing one time, and I did this thing when I was younger, and, you know, but it's just private, Tony. It's just a private thing. It's just between me and God. This is not something public. It's just private, and I got the, you know, I, but I got Jesus, and I have him in my heart, and I've just tucked him away here. It doesn't have to affect the way that you handle your relationships with girls. You know, it doesn't have to affect, you know, the, the way I handle my parents. And it doesn't have to show up in the way that I surf on the Internet. It doesn't have to show up in the way of the movies that I view. It doesn't have to show up in the way that I, I use my tongue about friends or people that I know. It doesn't have to show up in the way I treat my wife. But, but it doesn't have to show up in any of those ways. It's because I've got him just here. He's just kind of tucked away in my heart, private here, here, just tucked away, private there, just private. Time out, time out. If the tomb couldn't hold him. You think you're going to be able to hide him in your little bitty old heart? No way, bro. When you meet God, he explodes out of your life. You can't stop him. When you really get converted, he comes out of your life. 
He explodes. Listen, the Bible says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. When you really connect with God, he changes your life. Divinity is in you. He radically changes your life. And if there's been no change, there's no Christ. You need to surrender to him as Lord of your life. You know what people do in these moments? And I see it on some of your faces now. People look at me and they're like, man, you know, you, you kind of did that funny thing, man. We were laughing, I slapping our knee like, no way. Elbowing our knee. That's a funny right there. You know, just having fun. And all of a sudden you got real serious, Tony. That vein started popping out in your head. Why'd you get all serious? Let, let me tell you why. Are you listening? Because you're going to die. You're going to die. And the only thing that matters is are you ready for it? And when I say that you're going to die thing, I, listen, my name's Tony. I'm just a human being. I didn't ask for this. I was mowing yards, cleaning toilets, living in a van. I grew up in a ghetto. God got a hold of my heart, changed me. I'll, I'll share more of that tonight, but I'm just telling you, man, he changed my life. And, and, and then he called me to preach. My pastor told me to never ask anybody to preach. If God's called you, he'll open every door. I've never asked. God opens the door. I've been all over this country, didn't ask for it. And everywhere I go, I preach. And just like I'm preaching to you right now, their faces, their faces. Sometimes in a setting of 10 people on the backside of nowhere with the horse farmers in Alabama. Sometimes it's 150,000 people at Creation Fest. Sometimes it's in the morning of a church service like this, their faces. And I share what I'm sharing. And this past year, it happened a lot. I mean, crazy a lot. I would preach and people write me. You know, today we've got the Instagram thing. People follow me all the time on that Tony Nolan Live Instagram deal, that Twitter, Tony Nolan Live thing. And they, they, I follow them. They direct message me. People at Facebook, it's crazy how connected we are today, right? So people will write me and they'll say, hey, hey, preacher, I brought my friend with me. And I brought my coworker with me. I brought one of my, one of my, one of my, my football team members with me. I, I, hey, I brought my spouse with me. I, I brought a coworker with me. And you gave that opportunity for people to accept Jesus as Lord at the end of the deal. But my friend didn't do that. My coworker didn't. My husband didn't. My classmate didn't. My teammate didn't. And I'm like, hey, man, give me their names. We'll pray them in, man. We'll pray them in. And then I read the rest of the email, and it's tragic. She was hit by a drunk driver. She's gone, Tony. He was in the mall, and some crazy man came in the mall shooting a gun, and a stray bullet hit him at the food court. He's gone. Are you listening? Do you understand this is not a game? Do you understand it's appointed unto man once to die, after that the judgment? This is serious, man. I mean, it doesn't get it. I was in Fernandina Beach, Florida. I preached. We had 100 people respond to the gospel. We baptized them on the spot in a horse trough outside of the church. Pastor's name is Daryl Ballard. Daryl's a big barrel-chested guy. I don't know how much he can bench press. He's huge, isn't he, Will? Just massive barrel-chested guy. But his legs are about that big around because he's got a disease, and he's in these braces. He's a man of God, though. They get him up behind the pulpit, and this thing, they've got a chair specially made for him. He gets in there, and he locks his legs out, and he stands there, and he preaches the gospel. Daryl is an inspiration in my life. I never hear him complain. He's got a lot he can complain about. Just like Robert in the first service in the wheelchair, I got to talk to him, and now he's counseling people. Slid in the third base. Now he's just paralyzed from the waist down. He was here in the first service. This guy, Robert. Daryl's much like that. I'm at Daryl's church. I'm preaching. 100 people get saved. We're in a golf cart because Daryl can't walk. So we go out because they baptize people outside the church in this like horse trough thing. Man, it was wild, man. There's hundreds of people. It's crazy. And the church is cheering as every person gets baptized. And we're cheering. And as we're cheering, 
this guy comes up, man, he's all muscular, he's young, and he's just vibrant, man, just full on, man, like me, but on coffee. I mean, he's just like, wow! And he comes up, he goes, bro, he goes, look at all this. He said, this is why we do what we do. And then he high-fives me, about breaks my hand. I'm like, dang, you're intense, man. And he's just so pumped up, man. So we had a great time. Daryl said, I want you to meet my friend. This is Lee Lewis. He's my best friend. I said, Lee, nice to meet you. Please don't hurt me, man. I mean, incredible, man. Look at this. You're so fired up. I don't even know if it was a week. It's several days later, I got a phone call from Daryl. He said, Tony, I need you to pray. Remember meeting my friend Lee Lewis? I said, yeah. He said, Tony, Lee's dead, man. Lee's gone. He was just eating. They were grilling out. He choked on a piece of steak. There's not a mo- more physically fit man I've ever met, man, than, than Lee. And he choked on a piece of steak. They tried to homic everything. He's gone, Tony. Pray for me. I just met with his wife. I got to do his funeral in a couple of days. He said, Tony, uh, I want to show you something. I'm going to send you something on your phone. And he sent me, it was a picture. And it was of Lee's Bible. Lee's wife had just come in and brought Lee's Bible to Daryl and said, Daryl, I want you to preach his funeral and I want you to use his Bible. She, he said, absolutely. And if you have any other requests, uh, just tell me and I'll meet every one of them. She goes, nope, that's it. Just use it. She said, but I do want to show you something. And she opened up the Bible and she said, look at that. She said, Lee was a person who would write in his Bible all the time. And we have the last time it was ever recorded that Lee ever wrote anything in his Bible. Look at this right there. And he took a picture of it and sent it to me. It was the notes from when I was preaching. I was the last preacher he heard. I was the last church service he ever went to. My sermon was the last sermon he had ever wrote a note in his Bible. He was sitting like right over here on my left side while I was preaching, sitting like right over here. What if I had the ability to come off that stage that day, sit right now, right next to Lee and look at Lee and go, Lee, look, I noticed you just wrote in your Bible, Lee. Lee, man, those are great notes. But Lee, do you realize that's the last time you're ever going to write in your Bible? Lee, you're going to choke on a piece of steak. You're going to be dead in about a week, Lee. Knowing Lee's disposition, he just said, not only is your mama crazy, man, but so are you, bro. You're out of your mind. Are you kidding me? Look at me. I'm fit. I've just made millions of dollars on this product thing that we're selling. I'm giving it away for the kingdom of God. We're reaching Fernandina Beach for Florida. I mean, listen, I've, I've got these two little kids. I've got my whole life ahead of me. But can I tell you something? Are you listening? This is why I'm so intense. He never saw it coming. And most people never do. But mark it down, bro. It comes. Sir, mark it down. Ma'am, it comes. And you better be ready for it. Man, you better be ready for it. I... I I'm just telling you, I, I, I was at Noonday Baptist Church. I preached. There was a lady that was on the front row, blonde-headed lady, weeping as I was preaching. When I said, when I said, Will, when I said, God came and took your punishment for everything you've ever done, she just started uncontrollably weeping. The, the astonishing love of God, that the God of the universe, who's so pure and so holy, would actually step in in every dark secret that she's got. God forgave her for it. She's on the front row. She's just weeping. I'll never forget her. She had blonde hair, and she was a mess because her mascara was just like a raccoon, man. She just, ah, just weep. She was right there. And then I, I gave the invitation for people to connect with God, confess him as Lord, do what he said to do. I gave that invitation, and I saw her wrestling with it. She wrestled, and everybody wrestles with it. We're human. It's a wrestling match. When our pride and the invitation of God Clyde, there's this clashing that takes place, this wrestling that takes place. I watched her, but she did it. She did it. She followed all the way through. And that night, she got baptized that night. It was, I, I don't know how long later, we were at a Mexican restaurant by our house. Well, remember, Pastor Richard Holden from that church, Noonday Baptist Church, he comes up to me. I'm with my family. He said, Tony, Tony, you were just at our church. You were preaching, and you were talking about all those people that have been dying everywhere you go. 
And, and Tony, do you, do you remember the lady on the front row, the blonde-headed lady? I said, oh, yeah, raccoon. I totally remember. He said, we baptized that night? I said, yeah. He said, Tony, she went to the dentist. They pulled two teeth. Everything went wrong. They life-flighted her to Kennestone Hospital. She's gone, man. She's gone. I'm just telling you, you listen to me in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. God's got something to say to people in this room. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. You've got to be ready for this stuff. You don't know when it's coming. My adopted mom called me up and said, I need you to pray for your family in Boston. I don't even know them that well. She said, pray for them. I said, I knew it had to be big. I said, what's going on? She said, well, your uncle just got back from Aruba. He's in his 60s, but he's pretty physically fit guy, but he felt real lethargic. He felt real just down, lazy a little, just slow and sluggish. So he went to the hospital, thought he was having a heart attack. And he went in and he told the doctor, I think I had a heart attack or something. I just feel really down and I'm fit and stuff, but I'm just down. And they, they did some tests. They said, there's nothing wrong with your heart, but we do need to let you know that you are infested with cancer. Hey, people, listen, my uncle did not live one more hour after getting that news. He's gone. I'm telling you, man, listen, it is appointed unto man once to die after that, the judgment and the God of the universe. It's not his will that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. He wants you rightly related to him. So that on that day when you stand before him on judgment day, instead of eternal death in hell, eternal life in heaven. The devil would have you not make that connection. He is a thug, a punk. He is, man, he is a terrorist. Don't listen to the devil. You listen to Jesus. Jesus says, come. Your day will come one day. And you need to be ready for it. Can I invite every one of you, listen to me, as quietly as we possibly can, in an atmosphere of deep respect and reverence before God, could I ask all of you to just quietly stand to your feet in this moment with me? And I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Heads bowed, eyes closed.